What's up, everything? It's been a long time since we've last recorded, and a lot, lot, lot has happened in the past week plus. The Blues have played five games with various results, and we'll cover them all. We'll also touch on the collapsing Senators, the Nashville-Las Vegas press controversy, all of the Blues' many injuries, and an awesome defense of women's hockey. We've got all that and more in our 20th episode, so let's get started, and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everybody. This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast. My name is Stephen Ground. The other person that you will hear later on, right now, is Ian Peters. How are you doing tonight, Ian? Very good. Christmas is around the corner. Have you done your Christmas shopping for the most part? Or I have. It's actually are you a male procrastinator? <laughs> no, I, I normally am. Normally, uh-huh. it takes me much longer than it should to go on Amazon and click send. Yeah. But uh, this year, I think everything's already come in the mail. Yeah, that's pretty good. I have need of getting a few more things. That wasn't an English sentence, but yeah, I'm usually the other way where I usually get a pretty good start on it. And I'm okay. Like, I've got a lot of people covered so far, but I want to wrap some stuff up. Uh, But we're not here to talk about Christmas shopping. We're here to talk about... St. Louis Blues Hockey, which is what we will do. Can you believe this is our 20th episode, by the way? Somehow, I feel like both we've been doing this mm-hmm. forever, and we just started, like, last week. That's how I feel about a lot of stuff. Yep. But, yeah, it's <laughs> weird to think we started this in July. Also a fun time to start when there's no hockey going yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, we love the off-season stuff, but, boy... If any of you were here at episode one and have stayed here till episode 20, God bless you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> thank you, thank you, you. You are really soldiers in the army of Doug Armstrong. So, <laughs> uh, to kick us off tonight, uh, we want to talk about some league news that's happened in the past week. Uh, first, I want to talk about uh, another controversy. Last week, I... Uh, not waxed poetic, but just waxed angrily about the uh, Joe Thornton hit on TJ Oshie. And I want to be angry about something else this week. Uh, Not really angry. Yeah, I'm going to be a little angry. Uh, Namely, the controversy that occurred with the Golden Knights Twitter account at the start of the week. Um, We're recording on Saturday. This probably happened on Monday or Tuesday, Mm -hmm. sometime in there. Uh, The Predators played the Golden Knights, uh, I don't know if it was in Nashville or in Vegas, I think probably in Nashville, but just given the circumstances. But in any case, um, the Predators and Golden Knights played each other, and at some point in the game, the Predators scored, and the Knights Twitter account, which is very uh, famous, notorious, if you want to use that word at this point, for being sarcastic and comedic. It's like the Wendy's of NHL Twitter accounts. Um, <laughs> a, a fine comparison. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, fresh and never frozen, except <laughs> that it's hockey, so it's always frozen. Um, so they sent out a tweet that implied that the Nashville press 
uh, were celebrating Nashville's goals. They said specifically, quote, the other team scored and reporters covering their team started clapping with a little slanty face. I don't know what to call that. It's not quite a frown, but it's not happy. So <laughs> it's just a face. Um, and then the Nashville media, particularly a reporter named Jim Diamond, got very butthurt about this. Uh, Diamond tweeted, this is irresponsible. No reporters covering the Predators were clapping during the game, save for the anthem and the military salute. He went on to say, uh, with a statement that I will read in a moment, on behalf of the Nashville media, we thought it was important to request an apology and retraction from from Vegas for their irresponsible tweet. And in the statement they sent along, he said, I think he wrote this. I'm writing this on behalf of the Professional Hockey Writers of Association, PWHA, PHWA. <laughs> Acronyms are hard, people. Uh, chapter of Nashville, as well as our entire media corps. We take exception to the irresponsible tweet copied below. It's disrespectful to our credentialed media, and we would like a public apology and retraction from the Golden Knights Twitter account. Uh, which he uh, oh he later said the next morning, seriously, thanks to all who provided the supportive words. Others who didn't, you may never get why this is so upsetting to us, but I respect your opinions. Uh, the Knights did issue a retraction. They deleted the tweet, and they finally said, we apologize for our comment that insinuated members of the Nashville media were cheering in the press box during our game Friday. We have a great deal of respect and admiration for the press and the PWHA and are sorry that their integrity was called into question. We have addressed the matter with the PWHA and internally with our staff. So, having read all those words, uh, I just wanted to say a couple of things about this, since I'm just on a roll here and you <laughs> don't get going. to talk at all. Uh, first of all, uh, should the Knights have tweeted what they tweeted? Maybe not. I mean, for those of you who maybe aren't aware, it's long-held tradition, it's a professional standard of sports reporting that the media that cover a team are not supposed to openly support or cheer for that team. Which sounds so weird. Which does, and we'll get to that. The idea is that they're supposed to be unbiased reporters in much the same way that the you know, CNN is supposed to give unbiased coverage of UN meetings or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, they're supposed to be impartial third hand or not third hand but like third person mm-hmm. covers of the game uh so for vegas to tweet and insinuate that they were not doing that is certainly a weird insult to their professionalism if in fact it is true that it was untrue what <laughs> vegas tweeted however on the other hand uh i would just say lighten up. I wanted to say <laughs> other words, but yeah, I would say to Jim Diamond and the Nashville media, just lighten up a little bit. Everybody knows that this is the Vegas Twitter account. Everybody knows what their game is. They're supposed to be goofy. They act all sad when they the other team scores and they lose. They act all happy when they score and they win. They tweet a lot of gifts. They tweet a lot of jokes. It happens. They've been in controversy before because they were playing the Bruins uh, and they did a joke set of tweets from um, from the movie Ted starring Mark Wahlberg and an animatronic oh, bear voiced by, uh, what's his name? The oh, family Seth guy. McFarlane. Yeah. Um, where there's a scene in that movie where Mark Wahlberg says he met a girl and Ted tries to guess the name and he just... 
or vice versa. Actually, yeah. Ted tries to t- Ted meets a girl. Mark tries to guess <laughs> the name, uh, and he just reels off like twenty or thirty names in a row, just like in one breath. And it's a funny scene. It's a very famous scene. And so, as a joke, be- I assume because they were playing the Bruins, who mm-hmm. are a bear, much like Ted. Uh, they tweeted out the Bruins lineup as those names, and that was somehow supposed to be sexist or something. I didn't really understand <laughs> that either. But my point is, Twitter is always supposed to walk this line where somehow, like, some people are held to a standard. Like, you know, there's a group of people that can tweet that your mother, you know, was. Hitler's lover and you should go die in a fire. That's most of Twitter. And then there's all these other accounts with, I guess, with the check mark, maybe that's what separates mm. them, where they're supposed to You're be like real. professional. Um, I've gone on too long about this. But the other the other point I would just make is it's 2017. Can we like get over this idea that you're not allowed to cheer for the team? That you cover. I mean, Jeremy Rutherford has covered the Blues for a very long time, and he's with the players all the time. Like you develop affinity for these people. There's there's no question in my mind that he is happier when the Blues win than when they lose. Even if he keeps emotionally impartial, mm-hmm. which I doubt he does. Which you know, out of no disrespect to him, he's covered the team for like twenty years. Even if he's emotionally impartial. His job's easier if they win. It's more fun to cover a winning team. The questions he receives are more lighthearted. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't have <laughs> fans complaining to him on this same Twitter machine that, you know, about how much this team sucks. I just think, you know, you can root for a team and still be an impartial reporter. I think we try to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we make no claims of impartiality. We're obviously Blues fan. That's why we do this. But we try to say when the team's bad, and we'll be saying that a lot tonight. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just I, I wanted to talk about that because I've seen a whole lot of people rush to the Predators, uh, you know, Predators, Riders, defense. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I mean, I get that in the, you know, mores of how this is supposed to work, Nashville arguably crossed the line, but I also just think sort of lighten up. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything to add to my incoherent ramblings <laughs> of the past five minutes? No, I agree. It's just really silly that they don't think you're allowed to cheer for your own team that you cover. Yeah. I would think it's kind of funny if they tweet about, and maybe this is what they saw, like, I don't know, some Nashville... Uh, reporter just going like cra- I don't know fist bumping and they're like going crazy like they're drunk sort of yeah, thing which yeah. I I doubt is what happened but I think you can give like you know one of those quick like really stiff like fist bumps to yourself and mm-hmm. just kind of like yeah or stand up and like high five a guy come on like to me it seems silly maybe it's just because I'm a fan first and this podcast is wow media is like the furthest thing it's it's media <laughs> it barely medium, yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah. so it it made no sense to me when i saw it as a issue so yeah i learned i had to learn that it was an issue right and so. i mean i understand that there's a difference between us and like credential media hmm. who have journalism degrees but well, like, only a little yeah <laughs> hockey is a sport <laughs> <laughs> Go we, Blues. No. <laughs> uh, no, hockey is a sport. It's a game at heart. The people who cover it like have dream jobs. Every hockey reporter, for the most part, is living their dream job. 
And mm. it makes sense. If they cover a team for 15, 20 years, they're going to like that team. That just, like... I'm I I'm a Blues fan, but if if a Chicago paper hired me to cover the Chicago Blackhawks, mm. 20 years from now I'd probably be a Blackhawks fan. As much as that pains mm. me to say, you know, yeah. especially if you're with the players and the coaches all the time, it's just human nature. So I don't know. I just think it was a controversy for no reason, just mm. to have a controversy. I think NHL reporters are a little uptight all the time. Yeah, and maybe that's because they feel like the little brother to like NFL and MLB and NBA reporters. I don't know, but they do seem to try and be what I'd call like overly professional sometimes. But maybe it's Canadian politeness and Vegas understanding. Vegas Twitter is a good follow, so there's that. Yeah, that if you take anything from this, (laughs) just uh, Paradise Lost level of just (laughs) nonsense. Paradise Lost isn't nonsense exactly, but it's long. That was my point. Uh, Take that. Go and give the Vegas Knights a follow. Um, And don't make fun of Jim Diamond or he'll get his feelings hurt. So uh, another thing we thought we should cover briefly uh, is the controversy that's arisen in the past uh, week or so, especially, but over the past month or so with the uh, collapsing Ottawa Senators, although it would have been more convenient if we covered this a few days ago Mm -hmm. as they've won two in a row. But um, the collapsing Ottawa Senators and their superstar defender, Eric Carlson, um, the Senators have had a really ugly time since acquiring Matt Duchesne um, from the Colorado Avalanche uh, early last month. Um, they've been two for fourteen since that trade, or since the Sweden series that immediately followed that trade. Mm-hmm. Um, though they, uh, I do believe, won their outdoor game with the Canadians tonight, uh, and they won the other night so they've won two in a row so but now they're three for 15 still not great (laughs) um and uh it it had gotten to a point where it was so bad that uh ottawa had reportedly asked all of their players with any sort of no movement or no trade clause uh to provide a list of teams to which they'd be willing to be dealt um in the event that ottawa decided to have a complete (laughs) fire sale um and I'm kind of hoping they do because we have some players we'd mm-hmm. love off of them, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, Eric Carlson uh, was asked about his contract. He's in the penultimate year of his contract, I believe, mm-hmm. um, a seven-year deal. He's in the sixth year of it. Uh, and he was asked about the possibility of sort of taking a hometown discount or whatever to stay with Ottawa. And he said, when I go to market, I'm going to get what I'm worth, and it's going to be no less no matter where I'm going. Uh, pretty stark words from him. Uh, I don't think it sounds like he's inclined to take a hometown yeah, discount. Yeah, not at all. Uh, what would you say if if you're asked? You know, sort of gun to your head is Eric Carlson an Ottawa Senator start uh, the 2000? I guess it would be 1920 season. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would your answer be? I I don't think there's any way that he's a senator. After like yeah, after the summer of 2019, 1920 season, I don't think so at all. Yeah, he. If you're the Senators and you know that you're gonna have to want to trade them. Yeah, I would say maybe even this summer. So some team will give you back something, maybe a little bit more for that year that you get them, because yeah. maybe that team's not gonna be able to sign them for what I'm gonna guess is gonna be ten million. 
Yeah, some astronomical yeah. amount for sure. I think him and Drew Doughty are both going to pretty much get $10 million. I think Drew Doughty even had a comment about how he's going to talk to Carlson and they're going to figure out what they're both worth, which I think is fun from a fan's perspective. Like, that's kind of cool, but if you're a, a manager or something, well, a GM, you got to be like, I hate this so much. <laughs> And I'm taking you dudes to task when it comes to like this NHLPA stuff. You are like, it's, it would be unbelievable. I'm like, please don't talk to Drew Doughty. Please decide within our organization what you think you're worth. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see him staying there. Is Doughty a free agent that same summer? I think so. Okay. I don't know. And if those both reach free agency, that's a nuts free agency like summer. Oh yeah. I mean, sure. I don't think the Blues are getting any of those people. I don't think we need I don't either think of we them. Need them. I mean, I, it's so I weird. It's so weird to say that. Like, we don't need them. I'll take them easily. Yeah, but, but we don't need them. But I'm just wondering where he goes, and I also wonder where this leaves Ottawa because Ottawa is like the Eric Carlson's more or less. <laughs> like, what's their next? guy and even then like you said they're asking uh-huh. these players to submit their you know trade list yeah. or who they won't go to i think their gm went out and said that this was not like a reactionary thing they just wanted to kind of get a picture of where they're moving forward in the future but you know doug armstrong wants to know how we're moving forward but he doesn't go up to patrick Berlin and go hey just fyi give me a list of people you don't want to go mm-hmm. to just to get a picture of the future you're doing it because you want to see if you can shop anybody. Right. So, um, this is... Wow, this is fun. Uh, I just... <laughs> just not to... Uh, I want to add... Let me finish your point first. Mm-hmm. I also agree that Eric Carlson will not be a senator in two years. Um, I, if for it to be this public at this point, how do you keep that together mm-hmm. and unsign it, you know? And fix it. And I read one article, and I think it was made a really good point. And it was maybe from Pierre LeBrun of the Athletic, but I don't want to. Don't quote me on that. Um, where the argument was just sort of, you can't let him start a season on a, the last year of his contract for an NHL team. Like, you just can't do that in Canada, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yes, Tavares is doing okay with it. Stamkos did it okay. Is Tavares is doing great with it. Stamkos did it in Tampa Bay, but like the Canada media, as we alluded to earlier, uh, <laughs> is just nuts in the NHL, and it would just be every mm. moment of every day in Ottawa would be about that. So you have to get this deal done soon. And that's the thing. I don't think they will. We didn't mention either that they probably have, or we know they have an internal cap. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to be able to pay them that. So uh, I just don't think they can. And if they can't, another point that same article make, made uh, was you might get a king's ransom if you trade him this trade mm-hmm. deadline and get a year and a half and, more importantly, two playoff runs out of him mm-hmm. for the whoever's, the ducks or whatever you know whoever is interested in him but the longer you wait just like we saw with kevin chattenkirk mm-hmm. the longer you wait the less you get you know and so you get the zach samfords of the world but i mean like you said like you alluded to if if they trade him you might as well do a hard reboot because mm-hmm. they have nothing they else. so um but to to add to the point you mentioned earlier uh, you mentioned how nuts a free agent year that will be. Um, 
wow, uh, obviously this is going to change a lot in yeah. the next year and a half, and a lot of these guys will sign extension, but extensions. But I'm just looking at UFAs for 2019-2020. Um, Jason Spezza will be 34, so a little touch and go. Sergey Bobrovsky, <laughs> who will have won probably three Vesnas by then. <laughs> Drew Doughty, Pekka Rene will be 35. Eric Carlson, Artemi Panarin, Logan Couture, Matt Duchesne, Jordan Everle, uh, Joe Favelski is 33. So again, Semyon Varlamov, Mark Andre Fleury, uh, Tyler Seguin, Blake Wheeler, Oliver Ekman Larson. Wow. Uh, Jay Bombeister, just throwing him in, just as a little, <laughs> not not quite the same class. Derek Brassard, uh, Mark Mathot will be pretty old. Gustav Nyquist, Ryan McDonough, Yori Laterra, the cream of the crop. <laughs> um, as Justin Williams, Max Max Pacioretty, uh, Cam Talbot. Every, apparently, every goalie in the NHL <laughs> is a free agent this year. Um, Jake Gardner, Adam Henry, Wayne Simmons. I, not to dwell on this, Anders Lee, I keep seeing yeah. more names because it's ranked by what they're <laughs> this currently is the getting paid. 2019 summer. Yeah. Right? Okay. Which is that also the CBA summer? Uh, it's either that one or the next uh, one. But yeah. Oh, I know. boy. <laughs> Think of that. So the NHL comes to an end on uh, <laughs> we had, October. We had fun. Yeah. This will be a KHL podcast uh, <laughs> from this point on. <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, but, yeah, as you can see, Ryan Ellis is a UFA that year. Um, and like you said, a lot of these people, I'm sure, will get re-signed earlier, be mm-hmm. on their team. But you got to think. But if any five of those names I just yeah. named get to UFA status on the open market, that's the biggest free agency period we've seen yeah. in ages. you got to think know? some of those big names, at least 20% of them make it. Yeah. To the summer or get traded before then, yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, agreed. So that'll be fun to track. Uh, let's move on to some Blues news that we wanted to mention. Um, first of all, the Blues headlined the three stars of the week for the NHL. Uh, Braden Shin was named the first star. He scored six goals and one assist and had a goal in each of the four games in that week. Uh, he had a hat trick in Montreal, as we discussed last week, and he was fit. And he is currently, or was at the time of the press release that announced this, fifth in the NHL with 37 points, and he led or leads the league in game-winning goals and plus-minus at a plus 25, and shootout deciding goals tied for two, which I'm sure he's tied with numerous people, mm-hmm. but that was just kind of an interesting addition. Uh, we'll let you go over in a minute because we promised to do it. The kind of we were talking about, you know, the constant discussion of haven't the Blues already won the trade mm-hmm. for Braden Shen? Um, we were talking about first round picks, and we'll do that in just a second. But let's mention also that Jake Allen uh, was the second star um, of the week for the NHL. He was 4 0 0 with a 1 5 goals against average and a save percentage. Uh, He had a shutout on 29 shots against the Stars, and he was second in the NHL with 17 victories. So a really good week for the Blues uh, that we covered at the end of last week's podcast, and we'll finish covering the start of this week. Uh, But uh, also cool to mention that Brian Elliott was the third star this week, so Mm -hmm. apparently if Jake Allen is good, Brian Elliott is good. (laughs) Always. Uh, he had three wins and a goals against of one six seven save percentage ninety five point four. Uh, so cool week for those two guys and the team as a whole. Uh, but why don't you go ahead and talk about kind of what 
what the compensation the two first round picks for mm-hmm. Braden Shin might mean for the Philadelphia Flyers. So yeah, we talked about last podcast about the Braden Shen trade, and like you mentioned, how it's always talked about, like, well, those first round picks we gave up, two of them, those might, and they still could outweigh what Braden Shen brings to the Blues. Um, obviously, the Oriolitaire is just a wash, right? A negative, a gone, just, yeah. just gone. It's all. I mean, it's a positive for us yeah. to get rid of the. Contract. Exactly, like you said, it's trading a first to get Braden Shen, and trading a first for them to take Oriolitaire. Yeah. So. I just want to look at what a first-rounder kind of looks like historically if you're drafting between the 15th pick and the 30th pick, which mm-hmm. is we can hopefully safely assume that's what they're going to be drafting in because the Blues yeah. will make the playoffs. And the 15th would be probably high yeah, yeah, how good their regular seasons that's are. That's true. That's right. When Even you get knocked out, it's the, it's the regular season. Yeah. Okay. The regular season. But, uh, I mean, it's a fair window to discuss. No, yeah. So... I went with the later drafts further back rather than pick earlier drafts because that way you can get a better body of work with some of these players. Mm-hmm. So Braden Shen was drafted in 2009. I believe he was the fourth or fifth overall pick. And so I went for 2008. And the only two notables really are Eric Carlson at 15th and Jordan Everly at 22nd. Um, Eric Carlson, definitely, I mean, I don't want to say definitely, but definitely better than Braden Shen, but that's kind of a a home run of a pick even in the first round. Yeah. Um, Jordan Everly, take it or leave it. Then the, Eric Carlson would have been a home run at first overall. Yeah, you know, that's true. So like, I, that's odd to look at those as like him being that late. Yeah, for sure. Um, went to the 2007 draft. You got Ian Cole at 18th. Riley Nash is a stretch, but I know who that is compared to the people around him that I didn't know who they mm-hmm. were. Uh, Max Pacioretty at 22nd, Michael Backlund of the Flames at 24th, and then David Perron at 26th. I'd say maybe other than Patches, you got Braden Shen as being at or better than most of those players. I would say, you know, if you uh, any of two of those names other than Patches and Carlson, Mm -hmm. and maybe Patches and any of the names other than Carlson, Mm -hmm. but definitely... Discounting those two, I would trade any two of those players for mm-hmm. Braden No question. I would say the 2006 draft's a little more interesting. You got Claude Giroux at 22nd, Simeon Varlamov at 23rd, uh, Patrick Berglund at 25th, and then Nick Felino at 28th. That's and a so, pretty good crop. Yeah, and I'd say he, I'd say he falls like middle of the pack there, or sits, yeah. or sits with them well enough. Yeah. So just thinking that they've already taken that first pick that we gave him for this year mm-hmm. in 2017 um, when they drafted Morgan Frost who's a center who I know you have if you have comments on top of uh, the world juniors at all yeah I mean he he is having a really good season um, I don't have that quote in front of me but he did he's fourth I think in the OHL mm-hmm. in um, I think it's points, points totals mm-hmm. and plus minus I think behind uh, <laughs> Jordan Kyber who's first and Robert Thomas who's second both Blues prospects Cha-ching. and Nick Suzuki uh, but he was not chosen for the U twenty mm-hmm. Junior uh, World Championship Canada team so a little bit of mixed reviews and I think I mean he could be a really good player mm-hmm. Robert Thomas is just skyrocketing his stock stock is skyrocketing. Um, and I think the other important thing to remember there is you, it's not as easy as just like if they pick Morgan Frost 
and let's say their next pick is a home run and Morgan mm-hmm. Frost is pretty good. Like, yeah, we lost the trade, but you can't guarantee that we would have picked the same people, yeah. you know. So. I know. I feel like I'm defending against nobody here, but I do read a lot of people being like, well, you just never know about this trade and who's going to win. And like the like you said, the Flyers could still win, but Braden Shen is w- what we need now. Right, yeah. So I think that's fine. And that's the other, I mean, that's the other angle of it. Even if the future assets turn out to be good mm-hmm. it's kind of a bird in the hand literally is worth doing yeah. the push in this case because you know what Braden Shin is doing for you now and yeah. he's one of the more game-changing players in the NHL you know and the thing is the thing that I think we're overlooking here is Braden Shin isn't even doing now what he I mean if Braden Shin was having this kind of the seat of a season for the Flyers last year, mm-hmm. no way are they trading him for what yeah. they gave him, you know? So, like, I don't know. It's just kind of a moot argument. Mm. I just kind of Can like, you yeah. say, you know, in 10 years, if Braden Shen returns a little bit to the earth and Morgan Frost is a really good player and the Flyers have some other really good player, mm-hmm. can you say that we lost the trade? Sure, maybe. But I just think it's... There's no question it was a great trade for the Blues as of right now. Mm-hmm. And right now is all we've got to go on. I was say, I just like looking back at old drafts and seeing oh, where, yeah, that's always very where people went. Because, like you mentioned last podcast, sometimes, I mean, you get, uh, I'd say, four or five of those top yeah. ten that the, don't even have a wiki page. Yeah, they're, they're just unknown. Yeah. For sure. Um, so that'll be interesting, and we'll obviously continue to track that, and we'll keep an eye on Morgan Frost in the months and weeks yeah. to come as we have 20 more episodes I, after this. I just want to say no the one thing. more. And that's it. We stop at 40. <laughs> the one thing I did want to mention, and we can kind of do this slowly over time, with Schwartz out for six weeks, uh-huh. it'd be interesting just to see um, what Shen's point you totals look like. You broke the news with no warning. Sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I could have let it into a lot, yeah. a lot easier for fans, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see what his points look like. I agree. There was a lot of talk uh, with Schwartz going out that we'll see if, you know, Shin is a passenger. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, We'll talk about that after the Red Wings game um, or during it. But, yeah, so let's transition to that now. The other big, the the real headline news Mm -hmm. for the Blues, which maybe we should have fronted, (laughs) um, was... We you know, buried hopefully the you made story. it 30 minutes into this <laughs> podcast to find out the news about the Blues, uh, which is that they have just been uh, hit with a rash, a rash of injuries this week. Uh, most notably, Jaden Schwartz as Ian spoiled for you. <laughs> there will be no Star Wars spoilers this week, but there will be a Jaden Schwartz spoiler. <laughs> um, he took a puck off the foot in the game against Detroit early in the game, and he went the, off the ice. X-rays were initially negative, but we later find out found out that he would be out for at least six weeks uh, with an injury to that foot or ankle. Uh, NHL injury, injuries, as always, shrouded in mystery. Uh, <laughs> so he either has a broken foot or his ankle sprained in half, or I don't know. It they could had to be take anything. it off. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, An interesting stat Jeremy Rutherford uh, dug up was that in the last four seasons, the Blues have averaged three goals per game with Schwartz on the ice and 2.36 without. So he is a considerable difference maker. There are obviously other factors in play there. Um, And the the Blues took a hard couple games after Schwartz's injury. Um, 
who was having a career year, I would say, uh, mm-hmm. so far with 14 goals, 21 assists, and a plus 23 and five power play points, just having a really good year. Um, Alex Petrangelo is also out on IR technically. Uh, he was considered day-to-day, and he should be back for tomorrow's game in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Um, but he took, I think, another puck off of another foot <laughs> yeah. in the same game against uh, Red Wings. And Jay Bomeister is mysteriously out. He was a late scratch. Was it against Buffalo yesterday? Mm-hmm. Or not or, yesterday, but Thursday. I don't or think whenever. he played in the Ducks game. Yeah, he wasn't in. Yeah. Right. Or was he a late scratch in Buffalo? In, in any case, he went out as a late scratch before one of the games this week. He was, yeah, he was and out then in then out. Yeah, yeah. And now he is uh, on IR as well, I think, officially. Or who knows what? Yeah. This uh, guy was an Iron Man, and once that broke, yeah. he just keeps breaking i texted something i forget what the turn of phrase was but he went from like iron man to glass jaw or something <laughs> like that and nothing you know nothing against him i hope yeah. he's well but yeah that did happen a lot and we don't know the extent or length of that injury it doesn't sound like it's going to be a big deal but mm-hmm. the ankle that he went out with over the summer ended up being much longer than expected, so who knows. Uh, and then suddenly, with little explanation or warning, Kyle Brodziak went out before today's game against um, the Jets, and we don't have a lot of details on that yet, though I don't think it's supposed to be life-threatening. So hopefully, uh, by the time we record next week, all three of those guys will be back and we'll only have the Schwartz injury to deal with. Uh, but it was a tough week for the Blues to weather that storm, uh, which brings up, again, a topic we've discussed a lot, which is the Blues' need for a top-six forward. Uh, what would you say about that, Ian? <laughs> because I have plenty to say, yeah. but I've said it a lot. I was going to say that I'm glad people are talking about this now, but it seems like something that could have been talked about game one of the season. Yeah. This is a thing where Schwartz went out and people are looking at our depth and they're thinking, oh, at least forward depth isn't overly great from a scoring perspective. And the team is better offensively with Jaden Schwartz in. That's not what the debate's about, but it's more that we needed a top six forward when Fabry got hurt. And I would even say when if Fabry was healthy and Schwartz was healthy in the lineup, that still puts Steen or Saboka in a top six role where I don't think they belong. So I'd say with this team golden and no one injured, we still need that top six forward. So yeah. we only need them that much more with Fabry out for the whole season and Schwartz out for six weeks. Samford out and not yeah. that he's top six, but, you know, yeah. I forget about Samford. No, I mean, I do, too, because he's barely ever actually been a blue. <laughs> but, yeah, I just think I, I, we shouldn't dwell on it now because there would be a lot of time to talk about it in the future. But if we're just missing something up there. Mm-hmm. We've got And the, the frustrating flip side of the coin is we have so much depth with which to acquire a top six mm-hmm. forward. You know, and I know Armstrong doesn't want to just, you know, rush to get. Yeah, you don't want to panic or whoever, but um, he'll he'll look for a hockey trade, and that's good. I mean, that's better for us, but. I'd like him to look for one, yeah, especially as not a trade deadline acquisition. I think we need one before then. At least get us a a two year deal, you know, someone who's not going to be gone this summer, Mm -hmm. but. Agreed. But with that said, you've got flexibility with Stastny leaving and the cap increasing to possibly retain someone so uh we'll figure that out but yeah definitely an addition 
um, we need, and we'll talk a little, we ran a poll on Twitter, I guess we can bring this up now, mm-hmm. uh, during, I want to say the Ducks game, either the Ducks or Sabres game, uh, just asking what the biggest concern among fans was at the pre- at present, and the fans, um, <laughs> you all, responded, uh, which I was kind of surprised with, uh, overwhelmingly the power play. I'm trying to find the exact number. But yeah, so the three options we provided were special teams, uh, injuries, and lack of top nine talent, top six talent, probably more accurate. But um, 62% of respondents said special teams. Um, we were during a game, so it was a little more alive mm-hmm. at the moment but i think that's right our special teams really <laughs> like our special teams have to improve we can still make an okay run without you know if schwartz is healthy mm-hmm. without a top six forward but our special teams <laughs> not you know if they're not as bad as this week for a team that's top in the west that's just terrible to have a power play in like the bottom third yeah and i was really surprised to see that the injuries only have 15 percent of that because i thought with schwartz especially people would be panicking uh, but maybe they were able to see a little bit of what we could do without him in the Buffalo game and some of the games in between. So why don't we move on to those games? And since we have five this week and have already talked a lot, we'll try to cover them a little more quickly mm-hmm. than we have in weeks past. Uh, the Blues gave it to the Detroit Red Wings, even in fact, even in spite of losing Schwartz very early. Mm-hmm. Um he scored actually before he left the game. Eleven fifty into the first, um, just a really good transition goal after the penalty kill, uh, and Schwartz got a rebound um, and he collected it on the backhand uh, and scored on a pretty empty net. But Joel Edmondson was right there, also easily would have scored. Yeah, I thought it was his goal. At Schwartz first. just got the stick there first, um, and then at eight. 18 and a half minutes in, he walked the shot and went off uh, and was unable to put any weight on his right foot or ankle. And we know the rest. <laughs> um, so in the second period, we had goals from Saboka, Upshaw, and Bomeister. Um, yes, I did say Jay Bomeister scored a goal. Uh, it was his first since November 5 of 2016. <laughs> um, he just took a nice wrister. Uh, and it got in. It wasn't a good game or good goal for Howard, uh, and it looked initially like Blair Berglund could have scored, tipped it in, but they did not, mm-hmm. apparently. <laughs> um, and I think, I mean, I, Bo Meester's not a goal scorer, but Any I think means. he could shoot more than he does, you know, other He's than the shoot slap for pass. That <laughs> slap pass. Um, He's always shooting wide for that kind of deflection. Yeah, uh, but in any case... Uh, that was good to see him. He'll get two points in this game because he had a, an assist later on. Uh, Scotty Upshaw got a breakaway before that and scored a five-hole on Howard, and I only mention that to mention Scotty <laughs> Upshaw's world-class goal sellies. He is so fun to watch when he scores a goal and leaps into Kyle Brodziak's arms. <laughs> um, I think Joe, uh, John Kelly made a really good point. Uh, the Blues broadcaster said with six minutes left, uh, in this period, he said, the Blues, uh, again, give it up. They have been very sloppy in their own zone today, and you'd have to say very fortunate to be up by three. Uh, it was pretty darn true at the time. Um, they were up by four at the time, I guess. Oh, no, that was after. That was before the Bowmeister goal, mm-hmm. but I just took the note after. Um, 
a point to make, though. This game felt a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Like, if people remember that uh, Islanders game that we played in, in here in St. Louis, uh-huh. where we were out shooting the Islanders, we were doing really well, but then every time the Islanders just streaked down the other way, they scored immediately. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's how it felt. Only we were the Islanders this time. The yeah. Red Wings didn't look great, but they were doing way better than us, and we'd just skate down and score again and again. Mm-hmm. I don't think Howard played it, had an overly great game. Yeah. He had some really weird angles in some of those goals. And we finished with only 22 shots, uh, which um, was something like the fifth game or, let's see, it was just the 15th time in franchise history they'd scored six goals on 22 shots or less. That's obviously a real Holy high cow. conversion rate. And for a while there, we were about 50%. I think we may have had six I don't want to say we had six on 12, but I know we have four on eight. Yeah, yeah. I do remember four on eight. Yeah. um, Four goals on eight shots. That Mm -hmm. is just to be clear. So in the third period, uh, Franz Nielsen scored a goal about seven minutes in for the Red Wings, which was not particularly anyone's fault. It was just a rebound goal. It was also fairly meaningless at this point (laughs) when it was four to one. Uh, Yaskin scored. This one is pretty. Yeah, uh, his fourth goal of the season, assisted by Petro and Edmondson. Uh, Edmondson gave it to Petro in our own zone, and Petrangelo just found at Yaskin streaking up the middle between two Red Wings defensemen, and by the mm-hmm. time it was on his stick and he was crossing the line, he was pretty much all alone. Uh, and he got up to Morazic at this point because Howard had been pulled and just front hand, backhand, front hand, hand and got it behind Mrazek and wrecked him. It was mm-hmm. it was beautiful. Definitely go find a highlight if you can. I, we say it, I feel like, every week, but Dimitri Yaskin's playing really good hockey of late. Probably been for the mm-hmm. past three or four weeks at this point. I watched that Ever goal, since yeah. he scored that one goal after like a 10-game drought or something, mm-hmm. you don't always see him on the stat sheet. He's not that kind of player, but you, you really feel him on the ice. Um, and I think... That's I think to he's, his yeah, credit. He's a really good power forward, mm-hmm. and this goal I liked a lot because he showed really good puck. I don't know, just really good hands on this one. He also had a really good like cut in because it was kind of how you see a wide receiver kind of mm-hmm. get a safety off of him, kind of back and forth and juke him off. Yeah, he was pretty much going to his right on the forehand, mm-hmm. like with no space in front of Howard, and then pulled his right heel up and just completely did yeah. like a ninety degree turn in front yeah. of him. Yeah, that very was... Dantzukian. Nice. So he is the next. But, yeah, he's no longer Marion Hosa. <laughs> he's Pavel Dance. <laughs> um, Bryn Shin finished the scoring with ni- 19 minutes gone, uh, his 15th of the season. Uh, Steen gave the puck across the ice to Bomeister, who shot. Uh, and Tarasenko must have gotten a piece of it at some point. But this is Braden Shen's. I feel like it's his trademark goal where he's just mm. at the goalie's right and collects a puck. And puts it in the net. I mean, it's really a shame in some ways that Braden Shen <laughs> never played for the Ken Hitchcock Blues because, like, he's scoring those goals mm-hmm. that Hitchcock always wanted. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, a six to one win's really good. It didn't feel like a six to one win, especially against mm-hmm. a team that's on the rocks, yeah. which is weird to say. About it was a Detroit. noon game, which felt weird yeah, too. Yeah, um, Schwartz and Petrangelo both were injured in this game, as we've already alluded to. Um, we didn't look great. Uh, but Yaskin was plus two, uh, was plus, is plus eight on the season, or was at this point, and he was fourth among forwards behind only that top three, uh, Shin Schwartz and Tarasenko. Uh, Mike Yo said, I would say that clearly in my 
term here, this is the best hockey that he's played. You can tell that his confidence is high, and with that, he's playing with more pace to his game. He's moving his feet, he's getting in the offensive zone quickly, and he's getting involved every night in two or three scoring chances. Just uh, just high praise for Yaskin, which I think he deserves. Uh, Saboka reported his six points in seventh game. He's sneakily been kind of uh, streaking a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shin uh, became the third player in NHL his not NHL history in the NHL this <laughs> season uh, to reach 15 goals and 20 assists behind only Kucherov and Kopitar. Kopitar, thank God he wasn't also a K uh, for horrible acronym <laughs> purposes. Uh, as we mentioned, the Blues recorded 22 shots, Detroit 29. Faceoffs were 50-50. Both teams were 0 for 3 on the power play, which is certainly not a surprise for the Blues. <laughs> And uh, the Blues were slightly out hit, but not by much. So, I mean, I think just the sum of that game is you can't complain about a 6-1 win. It's a good win. Mm-hmm. You, I, As I said at some point in the week, I, I would happily have had it be a 6-3 win and have Petrangelo and Shin be healthy. Not that Shin's, what Shin blocked wasn't even a shot. It was a dump in off Mike Green's skate or yeah. stick. So that was strange. But, um Tough game to lose those players. It was still a good win on the road. Do we know uh, if that's the same foot that Schwartz had like broken before? I do not, but he's broken everything, yeah, so that's I assume. True. Um, it's his right. I'm pretty sure I'll have to look it up. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, I was just curious. But, yeah, I mean, either way, hopefully it's not, I guess. I don't know. Do you want two foot, two uh, feet kind of injured or one foot really, really injured? injured. <laughs> Um, but in any case, uh, yeah, it's, it'll be tough for the Blues this entire time until they either add help from outside the organization or get Schwartz back. Um, the Sabres came to town the next night. We flew home. This was a back-to-back, right? And we flew yep. home, and the Sabres came into town. Uh, and the story of this game is that we were watching Mike Berbiglia, and he's very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Berbiglia came to the pageant, and we went and saw him during this game, uh, but we did go back and watch the highlights, mm-hmm. and Ian's going to describe them to you in very <laughs> fine detail. Well, this one started pretty quickly with Chen scoring 40 seconds in the first period for his 16th goal. Uh, this was another sort of, I don't know if you call it a dirty goal. It was real close to the goal line. That Chen was at um, Edmondson. A real Brett Hall kind of a goal. <laughs> yeah. I say Edmondson was uh, passing it to the center of the ice. He was in the left circle, and it deflected off of uh, Marco Scandella's skate right to Shen, who buried it, and was pretty much empty net uh, past Leonard. It was interesting because we had just talked about, or I know I had mentioned that Evander Kane might be an okay pickup for mm-hmm. us because he's supposedly on the trade block uh, for Buffalo. But uh, Evander Kane might as well have stayed in Buffalo because that's how <laughs> far back he was from grabbing Braden Shen, who was his guy in front. I mean, yeah. the guy was had his numbers on his jersey facing Braden Shen on this play. It was really bad defensive coverage. I can kind of forgive it because it was deflection straight to Shen. Mm-hmm. But... Even if it deflected straight to him, you should be on the guy. Yeah. Um, it was a really good, nice goal by Shen. I, this had to be like the third or fourth goal in a row where it was to the right or left at a relatively severe angle on the goalie and just mm-hmm. in. So, yeah, you're definitely right. That's kind of his, his MO, his calling card of a, a goal. That was in the first. And I think this is a, a good point to come yeah. in real quick. Just no, to you're mention. Fine. Um, 
there was a lot of question immediately uh, after Schwartz's injury to be like, well, we shouldn't be the same player now that his you know buddy's gone mm-hmm. because they have had a lot of chemistry and a lot of connections on goals, and I th- it does feel ironic almost that forty seconds into the game, Shin oh, yeah. scores a goal, and I, I tweeted out, how does that? You know, answer those passenger questions because, and I think I do, do want to just say this question uh, quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, when two players are having career years, one of them is not a passenger off the second of them just because the second one was a blue first. You know, like, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to like disparage anyone, and I love Schwartz too, but like, it's not like Schwartz was this good of a player. Mm-hmm. And then Shin showed up and became a better player. Mm-hmm. Sh- Schwartz was a really good player, and Shin was a really good player. And then they got together and became even better players. Mm-hmm. And so I do think the passenger talk is a little silly. Yeah. Even if we see Shin cool down, it's not because he forgot how to play hockey. It's that he's playing with like Steen and Yaskin now, yeah. or whoever, instead of... Tarasenko yeah. and Schwartz. And not know, to so. say that Schwartz is a passenger either, but I liked your point you made um, before we got on to maybe a couple of days ago that if someone's going to be a passenger in a center winger pairing, mm-hmm. it tends to not be the center. Right, yeah. So, and I mean, you're normally enabling the winger. Right, exactly. But like I said, neither one. Which is really. what we've always kind of lacked in a sense. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we've always been, I mean, Vladimir Tarasenko does great on his own, but we've always been, can we get a center for yeah, this guy yeah, for that exactly. exact reason? Um, the first period was a lot from the little I watched of it was actually pretty feisty. Mm-hmm. I swear we always play Buffalo in this weird yeah, sort of like we, we hate like them a, way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't think they have any former Blues. I'm sure I'll think of one we have right Steve after Ott, this. Though. Oh, we do have Steve Vaught. And they had Chris Stewart for a while? I think. Yeah, they did. <laughs> for the, yeah, in the Halak trade, you're right. So yeah, I never, trade, yeah. I never quite understood Although that. Although was the yeah. better goalie well, in that trade, you were correct. I, I was thinking of who we gave away, but the, no one called that the Halak <laughs> yeah. trade. You're right. Yeah, I'm just not a <laughs> Yeah, for who, Steven? Um, the, yeah, the first period was pretty feisty. Um, Stasny scored his seventh goal with uh, less than four minutes left in the second period. This is another kind of uh, deflection goal. Tarasenko fired Rister wide to Leonard's left. It bounced off the backboards and came right in front of the post, and Steen was able to kind of wrist it up and over Leonard's shoulder at a really severe angle. Um, I think it was pretty good hands by Stasny and just mine to know that it got to him there and that he could even put it in there. He seems to like to, and maybe I'm thinking of one of the power play, play, play pretty low um, next to the net and try and stuff it in. So it's kind of nice to see him get a goal, kind of a, a dirty goal in close. And then uh, I pretty much wrapped it up by saying we got to the third period and Evan Rodriguez, who I've never heard of before, maybe because Buffalo stinks, yeah, um, scores twice in the third period. The second goal uh, with Leonard Pold, which is always just a dagger. And both were essentially empty nets. I know on the first one, it got through the goal crease past Allen, who had pretty much committed to his left, and Rodriguez just buried it. Mm -hmm. He was pretty much standing right on top of the line. And then the six-on-five goal, Rodriguez had a puck deflect straight to his stick when Allen was pretty much frozen from Mm -hmm. whoever had had it before, and it was empty net with, I think, like a minute left. So I know we we were leaving the show, 
and I asked you what the score was, and you told me it was tied 2-2. And I was like, why are we tied 2-2 with the <laughs> Buffalo Sabres? I know we have two people injured, but this cannot be. <laughs> I, yeah, I swear they also play us close. Another yeah, weird thing about that team. It happens. I, I want to briefly interject. Uh, I forget how good Sam Reinhart is supposed to be. He got the mm-hmm. assist on one of these goals uh, because he's in this godforsaken sports town. <laughs> and I do mean godforsaken because when you lose the Connor McDavid lottery as that bad of a mm. team and you lose four straight Super Bowls, <laughs> you're godforsaken. I'm sorry. There's no way around it. They only have two sports teams, and they're both just <laughs> so sad. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but... Yeah, I, I, I almost forget he's there with Jack Eichel and mm-hmm. Kyle Ocposo somehow. That's what I mean. That guy's got to be regretting. Like Maybe uh, they gave him more money than anybody else, but do you want to be in Buffalo right I'd now? I'd take the when, discount like, and stay on the Islanders. could have been on the Islanders, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, please proceed. Overtime. <laughs> we rushed to our car in order to catch yeah. Kelly, Chase, and Chris Kerber. I was going to say, yeah, we got to OT and listened to it on the radio, and it ended pretty quick. Which is the same as watching it on TV. (laughs) You know, that's the same thing. Um, Tarasenko scored his 15th goal on a partial breakaway with just over 30 seconds into OT. So that was pretty quick. 30 seconds left. Left in OT? Okay, with 30. Oh, you're right. It took a while. counts. No, you're right. I just had it it written as that because I saw the 30, and I was like, oh, 30 seconds. So, yeah, with 30 seconds left. And, uh, Tarasenko, I like this is the uh, the Chris Kerber call where mm-hmm. Tarasenko took the red line and he said they're giving he's giving him the red line and then I guess he skated over the blue line because there was no <laughs> defense in front of him so he's giving him the blue line yeah and uh, Tarasenko took it to Leonard Leonard tried to poke check it from Tarasenko and he succeeded he got it off of a stick it just rolled up Leonard's stick <laughs> and into the net I thought that was kind of funny they interviewed Leonard and asked him his thought process like well you don't want to give a guy like Tarasenko, a clean shot. And then he just said that it worked out not in his favor. I think that was his exact words. Like, it did not go in my favor. <laughs> uh, and it was good to see Tarasenko get a goal with how snake bitten he's been recently. Yeah. yeah, even if it's just not a wrister and it's just kind of, we'll call it kind of lucky or fluky. Yeah, it was kind of funny because um, just because of the way like Tarasenko is skating at the boards, mm-hmm. obviously three on three, so there's a lot of space on the ice. But like, the three guys were clustered like to his left, mm-hmm. and they weren't collapsing on him at all. And it was kind of like it almost looked like he was surprised, like he'd like slowly speed it up because he was like, I mean, if you're just gonna let literally let me skate in, I will. <laughs> but I'm Vladimir Tarasenko. <laughs> I see he's a he's like, a pretty I good had skater. My today. Yeah, can skate. <laughs> he's a pretty good skater, but we don't normally see him go. That fast. Yeah, exactly. And he got around Eichel, and then Evander Kane, I think, was supposed to be the guy a little further back, mm-hmm. and he also was super Just slow. Just a country yeah. mile. Yeah, there. he was so far away. Um, Jack Eichel then proceeded to break his stick over the <laughs> goalpost in frustration. I think he got some sort of like game misconduct for that, or some sort of end of the game like yeah, penalty. Yeah, I think he was fine maybe for it, okay. which is- stupid i mean if i'm a buffalo saber i'm kind of happy that i'm happy with how this guy is because he gets frustrated all the time like good i'm happy you're not complacent on this crap team. yeah yeah definitely. but it was a it was overall a pretty good game 
for having Petrangelo and Schwartz out at this point. Mm-hmm. You wanted to see them step up and the team to win, even against what we'll call a garbage team. Yeah. Um, the Blues played strong. They outshot the Sabres 45-24. to Like I said, it was a pretty feisty game. You like to see that, especially with guys out. Um, it's another win on the second of a back-to-back, so just adding to that nice Restart little total. Restart yeah. Um, I thought Pareko stepped up a lot with Petrangelo out. He had an assist. It was a plus three on the night. Uh, four shots on goal, four hits, five blocks. He played uh, 27 minutes and 32 seconds, which is a huge like ask for him, and I think he stepped up to the plate and did a really good job. To use a lot of corporate speak, I hate myself because I said <laughs> ask. Oh, boy. Um, but they yeah, gotten you. They have. <laughs> and he played, I mean, the guy plays, you know, over two minutes of power play time total. He plays over five minutes of uh, shorthanded time on the PK. Mm-hmm. I think he's someone that I don't know if he'll ever be a first-line defensive like defenseman here just because of Petrangelo being still relatively young And on the young-ish. same side, yeah. Yeah, but I think he's the type of guy that's a really good second-pairing player on a good team or, you know, a pretty good team. And then I'd say if you put Pareko on, you know, a, a, I don't know, a Hurricanes a team or something, well, definitely a Buffalo. <laughs> but, yeah, just a middle-of-the-pack team, I think he's the first you know, first pairing guy for yeah. sure. And like, that's the sort of situation. I don't know, you know, with Pareko or with Petrangelo, Pareko, and Edmondson, hmm. I don't know if it's a situation where you can keep all of them here eternally. Yeah. Because how much money can you spend on three of your six yeah. defensemen, you know? Well, that'll be a big but, uh, talking point this summer with Edmondson's yeah. contract coming up. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what he gets paid. I mean, I don't expect them to necessarily trade him, but with that said, I could see them trading mm-hmm. him if it was like the right blockbuster situation, oh, yeah. you know, where I mean, if it makes sense. Edmonton finally folds and says we're getting rid of Connor McDavid or whatever. We need an <laughs> You know, one of those just one simple <laughs> hockey trades. But it was interesting to see us beat a team that's at the bottom of the standings and then go to Tuesday to play a team that's at the very top. Yes, which uh, did not end well. The Tampa Bay <laughs> Lightning came and beat us 3 to nothing. Uh, but I don't necessarily think the score really reflects the effort level. No, yeah, uh, not at all. The first period, uh, we had a really good effort to start and had a great penalty kill against the best power play in the league statistically and also the you, one that has Kucherov <laughs> and Stamkos you can't by default. <laughs> um, uh, they finally did score a goal late, late in the first period with about 45 seconds left. Braden Point. Uh, who's their breakout rookie, which I feel like the Lightning shouldn't get to have a breakout rookie. rookie. That made me so upset last year. But at the very Uh. least, he's on my fantasy team. So he has 13 points, or 13 goals. Uh, He was assisted by Tyler Johnson, who's somehow still healthy at this point in the season. (laughs) And Alex Kalorn, unless he's already been injured and come back for the first time. Oh, he has. Uh, Has he really? (laughs) For a small amount, but I noticed it and I was like, oh, Uh, this guy. (laughs) He had it near the net, Johnson did and he showed a lot of patience and skated around and he hit point in front uh who was skating from the bolts bench undetected and it rang off the post uh but he sped around the defense and knocked in the rebound i mean it's a they're a really skilled team and we were very you know very mm-hmm. shorthanded this game uh but i think we'll we'll talk about pareko and Evanston still did a really good job uh second period there was no scoring 
not a lot going on. Pretty back mm-hmm. and forth, pretty even. Um, but you know, neutral in mm-hmm. the term, in terms this, of the game. Yeah. I was going to say no. Keep going. I was going to say, was this the game that Bo Meester was out? I think this was the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He came out and then he played against Buffalo, right? Or he or play, not against? He played Buffalo, against Anaheim. Yeah, he played. Or no, you're right. He was supposed to, to play. And he didn't. You're yeah. right. Correct. So, um, in the middle of the third, uh, there was a very glaring miss by Vladimir Sabotka. Uh, the net. I called it the most wide open net I've ever seen. Uh, he basically. <laughs> got uh, Vasilevsky, the lightning goalie, out of position entirely off a pass by... I think it was Tarasenko. Tarasenko, yeah. And he was parallel to the net, basically, and slightly to its left, and just shot it almost straight forward, which was not at the (laughs) net and missed. Um, uh, Jeremy Rutherford, whose name I for some reason forgot, even though we said it 20 times (laughs) in a podcast... Uh, just asked him, and he said it just slid on him. It hit the part of his stick that didn't have tape on it, and so he didn't get control. <laughs> tape your whole stick? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, but uh, that immediately led to a Nikita Kucherov goal uh, with 1337 into the third period, assisted by their other breakout rookie, Mikhail Shurgachev. Uh Man, this team's good. What a trade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, they got to the zone quickly, and Sergachev carried it across and hit Kucherov high in the slot, or high in the seam, rather. Um, and Kucherov is Kucherov and just rocketed home a goal over Allen. He was heavily screened. I do think it was a little bit of a weak goal for Allen just because mm-hmm. he. He didn't see it, but it was kind of savable. I guess he was he out far it, enough. He yeah, probably could have got a piece. Really in great position. Um, but that was kind of the end of it for the Blues, especially with that Saboka mix miss. It was just a total momentum shift, uh, and the Lightning did eventually deposit an empty net goal by the uh, still uninjured Tyler Johnson <laughs> at this point in the game, seventh goal of the season. Braden Point and I almost said Braden Chin and Victor Hedman. Uh, assisted. Uh, as always, we positively suck on the six <laughs> on five. Um, <laughs> Tyler Johnson for your fantasy team has seven goals and thirteen points. That's not terrible. Yeah, he's that's, doing that's a good eight. addition. <laughs> um, he will be injured later, though. So, oh, oh. Uh, so I think some of the storylines. Uh, obviously, the big storyline was Petrangelo, Schwartz, uh, and. Bowmeister were out in this game. I believe Bowmeister was out yeah, in this game. Yeah, because this is where Schmaltz played. Yes. This is the game, too, where correct. I thought Dunn had a really good game. Yeah. It might have been because he was paired with Schmaltz, and you, for the first time, get to see him paired with someone that's more inexperienced yeah. than he is yeah. as a rookie. But he looked like he was really engaging physically. I thought he pinched really well, and I think he, I don't know, he looks pretty mature for a 21-year-old playing out there, a guy that's really not overly big either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and Pareko and Edmondson, for their part, logged 27-44 and 22-54, vice time, respectively. Uh, Yo complimented them. that He said, those guys, they don't play like young players. They're young, but they uh, these guys are veteran players now and important players and leaders on our hockey team. They played with an awful lot of poise tonight, both with and without the puck. Um, 
And he also said, uh, just in terms of the overall flow of the game, obviously the game is made up of a bunch of little plays, and we had some opportunities there that we wish we had back. So, oh, God. <laughs> I, I wonder if he just looked him in the eye. Like, I'm sure he's not in the press room, but just like, <laughs> Vladimir Saboka. Um, we all know who we're talking about. V- Vasilevsky made some saves, too. It's a good hockey team that we played tonight, and I thought we gave ourselves a I like how he says that. I know he's just yeah. speaking off the cuff, but Vasilevsky also made some saves. Yeah. I was like, I thought he did a really good job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> Petro, as we said, was on IR Tuesday. Uh, he should be back. Bo Meester missed this game. Uh, Hutton was almost back and started tonight, as we will talk about, in uh, heroic fashion. Uh, Schmaltz said, as you said, made his debut of the season, 14-13 time on the ice. Dunn looked really good. Uh, it was our third shutout of the season in terms of receiving the <laughs> shutout, uh, and it they were all on home ice, which is unacceptable. Um, we were at one. Yeah, we were. I've I have yet to see a Blues goal <laughs> live this season. Yaskin <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> led the team with eight shots and just a, under twelve minutes on the ice. So just Did you say again, twelve shots, eight shots oh, for, under twelve that, minutes. That's still, still a lot. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, and the Blues penalty kill was still really strong against a very good Lightning penalty. That we only faced one, but still uh, without Bowie or uh, Petrangelo. Uh, we outshot them actually 32 to 25 and massively won the faceoff percentage, winning 63% of the draws. Uh, but it just wasn't enough to keep up with this team shorthanded, and I think that's understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a considerable difference as we transition to the Anaheim game and the effort level against a very good team on Tuesday and a pretty good team, but also one that has a lot of injuries yeah. and is kind of middling at the moment and kind of stuck in neutral uh, with the Anaheim Ducks on Thursday. And you were at this game, mm-hmm. but I'll just sort of run through some of the actual scoring notes in terms mm-hmm. of who scored um, and then let you kind of take over uh actual comments that you saw live um we just we looked lazy and bad throughout the first period (laughs) and our power play sucked and in the second period we looked lazy and bad and our power play sucked (laughs) um but uh andrew cogliano opened the scoring halfway through the second uh, with his fourth goal of the season assisted by richard raquel ricard raquel something like that and andy walensky uh, Walensky passed from side to side across the blue line, uh, from the blue line to the blue line. So it was diagonal yeah, across yeah. the whole neutral zone, uh, which was just disgusting to see us allow. And he hit Raquel <laughs> as he was speeding into the zone. Uh, Ra- Raquel did a full wrap around the net and backhanded it in front to Cagliano, uh, who jammed away at the puck and got it in under Allen. Uh, it wasn't great for Allen to not, mm-hmm. you know, keep his pads all the way down and cover yeah. out the puck but i had it written worse down for yeah. the defense i had it written down that it was yeah both of their issues yeah alan really needs to save it and cover it up but also saboka like is kind of nowhere and not yeah. covering the suit i mean and when i mean, gets like three swipes at it yeah. easily when i mean it went across the entire neutral zone i'm talking about like from the board on one side to the board <laughs> on the other side like all the way across yeah, the whole play was just garbage. <laughs> yeah, we had consecutive power plays to end that period, and they both sucked. Uh, this is probably the worst our power play mm-hmm. looked, even as bad as it's looked yeah. this season, which is why I think this is when we put out the poll, um, which maybe slanted the power play <laughs> numbers again. But, I mean, we were 0 for 3 against the Lightning, and we were, I think, 0 for 3 against the 
Sabres, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were 0 for 3 against the Red Wings, <laughs> so we had not scored, in, and at this point, 10 uh, power Jeez, plays. Triple goose eggs. Yeah, not great. Um, so uh, the third period, I'm not even going to describe these goals with much detail. <laughs> Kevin Waugh scored two. He's that angry. 542 in and 828 in uh, his fifth and sixth of the season. I think all of them are against the Blues. Mm. I don't know. Did you, uh, yeah. did you see this Patrick Berglund goal? Because I didn't. Uh, I did not because you left. I yeah. didn't see it. I Actually, I watched it, yeah. And it was nothing special. I mean, good for him. But this guy scores and losses. This was one of those games where I was watching at this point, but I was not watching mm. at this point. Uh, Fowler and Getzlav got assists on the first goal. Grant, Derek Grant, and Logan Shaw got assists on the second. And Patrick Berglund scored 14 minutes left. I even tweeted, you know, this is the point at which uh, Kyle Brodziak scores two meaningless <laughs> goals, right? Because it's. That's you know, it's the exact same day. game, and uh, it was a different B, but he only scored one. Uh, yeah, so just not a good effort, and I, as I mentioned, I think it's very different from the Lightning game, but why don't you talk a little bit about what you saw before we kind of wrap up with we, that? We should just be able to go into GarageBand and grab the last time I talked about the Blues <laughs> playing the Ducks because it's pretty much the same thing. Uh, just super passive like you were talking about the power play was nothing but like hesitation every time a player got the puck it was like you could just watch them thinking you could see the gears turn which is not really what you want in a fast-paced sport like hockey (laughs) um there's just so many times it got to the point and there was already like nothing but three guys already ready lined up to block the shot and we still had a defenseman going i guess i'll just fire it anyways Mm -hmm. Which I commend. We need more shots on goal, but it didn't get there. <laughs> they looked sloppy. They, the Ducks didn't look overly great either, which I think is what was super annoying. Mm-hmm. I didn't think the Ducks played a great game. They played a good enough game to beat us, though, because we just played that bad. So, yeah. you know, hats off to them. It just seemed like, at least especially that third goal, too, we would get running around in our own zone. They didn't really get many good looks, and we managed to give them a good look. We yeah. managed to just get out of the way, and they'd <laughs> score, and I was like, well, they're going to do that no matter what team you're playing. Yeah. Um, it didn't look great. Jake Allen, um, at least his first two goals, I thought could have had them mm-hmm. for sure. He got kind of running around on the third one, which I can't blame him because it was a lot of east-to-west passing with nobody in our zone stopping them. Right. <laughs> like you said, kind of like that neutral zone stuff. It was mm-hmm. just no no one getting sticks on the puck at all, which is kind of odd. I feel like we're a team that does that pretty well normally, and I yeah. don't know if we were just disengaged or tired from having no Petrangelo and no Schwartz. Um, no Bomeister was a late scratch again. I thought I saw him out there, and then I was like, nope, that's not him. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Robert Bertuzzo. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I left before Patrick <laughs> Berglund scored a goal because I'm tired. I'm a tired man, <laughs> and I got to sleep sometimes. So uh, we got back to the truck, and I looked in the, on my phone. I was like, of course, of course someone scored with five <laughs> minutes left. And was like, does anyone feel good? I want to know if someone in that stadium is like i think this we can win yeah that's probably a child and you know i'm glad they do yeah because they haven't been ruined yet by this team <laughs> keep that hope alive keep no don't let anyone touch your light yeah but yeah it was sad <laughs> i just think as we transition uh we'll just quick statistics you didn't 30. think it was sad was a good transition no no it was sad. it was sad uh no i have a point to make about that but the blues outshot the ducks believe it or not 30 to 18 
won 57% of the face-offs, but their power play was 0 for 4. Four goose eggs in a row. certainly the difference in this game. Uh, I, I think the Blues are doing a little too much what I will call, and I think I'm coining this phrase on the spot, sweater watching. I feel Ooh, like TM. they... I feel like they watch, they do a little too much analysis of who the opponent is and mm-hmm. play to that opponent's level. Um, and I remember Ken Hitchcock. That's an interesting, was, yeah, sorry. sorry. I was going to say it was an interesting critique because I think you're right. Yeah. But it's weird because I remember Yo saying, at least maybe last year when he took over, but it was like, we're trying to focus so much more on our game yeah. and not on their game. But I think you're right. It okay, seems, maybe it was yeah. Yo who said that because that's yeah. about what I was going to say. It's just sort of... We have this tendency, and maybe it, maybe it was what Ken Hitchcock's strategy was, where he would try and play the other team's game oh, and for outplay sure. them at it. Uh, and I guess it was Joe who kind of countered that by saying, no, we're going to play our mm-hmm. own game and make them play it. And I don't know that it's as much us playing like the style of game as the other team, mm-hmm. but just you kind of look at these games, and I think uh, the Tampa Bay game, despite having won two of the other mm-hmm. ones, is arguably our best game, you know, of the week, yeah. uh, other than maybe tonight's, which we're about to talk about. Uh, so, I mean, I guess the good news there is hopefully you can't like mm-hmm. sweater watch in the playoffs because they're all <laughs> playoff teams. But like, you would hope, or you know, at, at the very least, if you're doing it the first night, they'll wake you up. But. It is kind of a worrisome trend to see them sort of play down to their competition. And not that the Ducks are a bad team. Mm. They'll be a very good team, and they'll be in the playoffs when they get healthy. But it is a little bit of a frustrating trend. I think we also try and play a lot to their style, too. Yeah. Which I think goes to, and we mentioned it before, I know you did, that we're not an overly physical team like we used to be. And lots of NHL commentators, especially nationally, will kind of be like, oh, Blue's still a big bruising team. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we are anymore. And when we play teams like the Ducks, who still kind of are, Mm -hmm. we try to be that. And like kind of like you were mentioning, when we play the Lightning, we're a fast team, we play fast too yeah. and that's and we notice that we look better that yeah. way yeah that is our our game so we need to play it um and we played a fast team tonight in the winnipeg jets who have a lot of talent up front uh between ehlers and line a and point proven and thank you for proving the point we were making <laughs> st louis um, <laughs> and uh this was a great game i think for the blues for a number of reasons we were without four core players mm. oh Three and Kyle Brodsky. <laughs> uh, I love Kyle. you, Kyle, but you are a fourth liner. Um, Schwartz, Tarasenko, and Petrangelo were all, all out for this game, and then Brodziak was out pretty late. Um, and just kind of a hodgepodge of like, mm. you know, Bortuzzo playing with Dunn and like Schmaltz playing with Edmondson and so, like a weird line pairing. I tweeted him out earlier in the day. Let me see if I can find them. But, uh, yeah, it was just a very strange game in terms of like what the team went in with. Um, yeah, here's Jeremy Rutherford. I mean, these may have changed over the course of the game, but uh, our lines were Steen Stastny Yaskin, Payarvi Shin Tarasenko. Gross. <laughs> Shin Tarasenko, fine. Payarvi, no thank you. Uh, Sabotka Bergwin Blay, Upshaw Sunquist Thornton. Thor- Thorburn, not Thornton. If we'd had Joe Thornton on our fourth line, it might have been a very different game. <laughs> uh, and then our defensive pairings were Edmondson and Pareko, Dunn and Bortuzzo, and Gunnarsson and Schmaltz. And on top of all that, we started Carter Hutton in his first <laughs> game back. So it seemed to spell disaster, uh, but 
it in fact did not because this became the Carter Hutton show um, and the Vladimir Tarasenko show. He really stepped up mm-hmm. when his team needed him, and, and props to him for that. He scored a goal 9-16 into the first period on, believe it or not, the power play. <laughs> uh, it's his 15th of the season. Steen assisted and Pareko did as well. Steen has 14 assists this season, which seems impossible. Where did those come from? <laughs> uh, but he's he's not scoring any goals, but I guess he is adding the helpers. Um, really, actually, a lot of nice movement and tape-to-tape passing on the power play. It's weird how that leads to good <laughs> things. Uh, and they finally got it out to Pareko, who hit Steen on the right for a one-timer on his right on the goalie's left. Uh, Steen took a big shot, and it rebounded hard off of Steve Mason, who started this game for the Jets, and Tarasenko collected it and buried it with a kind of slap wrister. Mm. Um, His first, I'll say, real goal, Tarasenko-like goal in a while. Yeah, yeah, and it was a very good goal. He found the puck and hit twine. It was nice. Um, And this game, I mean, this game was fine. It didn't really feel like we were getting heavily outshot uh, one shots point, finished yeah, two to one. To 30 yeah. and Hutton was making some great plays, but it never felt like he was standing on his head exactly, you know. And he had a few where he had to move left to right, but yeah, yeah. He didn't have any, any it was none of those moments it. where it was like four saves in a row, sort of thing, you know. What um, those NHL people call 10 bell save, yes. I have no idea why. I don't, it's a something Canada in thing. Canada, <laughs> <laughs> probably what they ring to signal that Tim Hortons is open. <laughs> um, but yeah, the second period saw no scoring, uh, and the third period sort of felt like it might be that kind of game where you let it slip away late just because, like, Hutton had held on for a really long time, mm. but at some point you need to make it two to nothing to really cement it and uh, John Kelly at one point even said like the you know we'd love to see another goal tonight and I'm like god please no cuz at this point it's got to be a jets yeah. goal you know I was like you can't say that um, he's got to preface it with blues yeah, goal come exactly. on jk uh, but in fact ultimately the blues did score another goal and I think earlier uh, I said Tarasenko had two goals tonight, which he did not, because I keep forgetting this wasn't his goal. Uh, but he had a nice assist on a goal scored by Vince Dunn, his third of the season. Uh, Tarasenko's 20th assist and Shin's 22nd um, assist. As we mentioned earlier, and we say this every week, but it's kind of fun to notice mm-hmm. how things develop. We said, I think, in the Detroit game, uh, that Braden Shim became the third player in the NHL with 15 goals and 20 assists, and uh, Tarasenko achieved that tonight. I don't know if anybody else has in between, but uh, cool, cool landmark for them to achieve uh, in the same week. Um, Shin won the faceoff. This was like a an ideal kind of power play goal. He won the faceoff to Dunn. Dunn passed to his right. Uh, just kind of side to side at the blue line with Tarasenko. It got back to Don, who shot from the deep point and scored. Uh, Darren Young emphasized that there was no hesitation on this shot. There was mm-hmm. some, I mean, he collected it and settled it. It wasn't exactly hesitation, but it was a strange <laughs> emphasis for something that clearly was not exactly <laughs> right away, true. Not a one-timer. Um, after this, I mean, the the... It seemed like the last two and a half minutes kind of evaporated. I know they pulled Mason at some point, uh, but no empty netter because we never do. Yeah, <laughs> but but uh, it just we held on pretty decidedly for the two nothing win, mm-hmm. um, and just insane props to Carter Hutton for 
48 saves and has returned to the ice after that injury. Um, he hasn't played a lot lately because he missed that like one week with the birth of his child, mm-hmm. um, which congratulations to him as well for that and his wife. Uh, but um, yeah, 48 shots is a tall order, even if they didn't necessarily feel like they were all, you know, 10 um, bell saves. <laughs> I believe they said he was 15th goal or 15th player to ever do that. So what, 48 yeah, shots? It was like 48 or oh, wow. more or something. Okay. Maybe That's cool. Yeah. That's pretty significant. Um, you saw one of the core moments post game was Tarasenko uh, got announced as the second star of the game, and he skated off, you know, down the tunnel. Obviously, Hutton was the first star, and you could see them in the tunnel, just giving him giving uh, Hutton a, a very big hug. Did I say Dumb was the first star? Hutton was the first star. If I didn't <laughs> say that correctly, uh, but it was pretty cool to see. I think those guys are close friends. And I think everybody on this team loves Carter Hutton. Um, I certainly do as a a bystander. It's a zero to 60 interviews he does. Yeah, it sure is. Um, But yeah, so 48 to 30 were the shots by the Jets. It was, or yeah, I mean, the Jets had the bulk of those, (laughs) but it was a really high offensive game. Faceoffs were about even, Blues 151%. And we killed four Jets penalties. So it seems like our penalty kill has settled down now. Mm hmm. And that was a problem for a while. Uh, and our power play, hopefully, we'll learn from tonight uh, where they went two for five, which still doesn't feel great. I mean, it's, yeah. it's good, but it's not like, wow. I think, know? yeah. And I think with those key players out, too, mm-hmm. the penalty kill shines even. I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't shine because they're out, but the fact that they went. Without Bo Meester yeah. or Petrangelo yeah. to still be killing penalties really well. Or even Brodziak Against tonight. Against good teams, yeah. yeah, or Brodziak. I don't even know who, who the heck we put out there on the PK <laughs> now that I think about it. Some though, who knows. Yeah, it was it was a great effort by them. Um, and just a good effort all around by a mm-hmm. team that uh, will face Winnipeg again tomorrow night, where I'm sure they'll just get slaughtered. I was, was going to ask, what do you think um, about tomorrow? This was, just to mention it, the the, the Jets negged us last season uh, and <laughs> won the season series 5 to nothing. They That's swept so good. Us. No, it was not good at all. <laughs> but um, the, uh, the Jets have won six in a row against us, and we put an end to that streak. But I found out, according to uh, Chris Kerber, I think, or some one of the other KMOX broadcasters, that the Jets had won six in a row against the Blues, but they have also only ever won those six against the Blues since moving to Winnipeg from Atlanta. So uh, that was kind of interesting. So hopefully they'll never win again now. <laughs> uh, but we'll see tomorrow night, which will be kind of fun next uh, podcast to talk about. Um that game and how how it (laughs) reflects this one, how they interact. Uh, Before we go, uh, though, we do have our weekly tradition of uh, naming a tweet of the week, uh, a hockey tweet of the week specifically. And this one is going to go to Gord Miller, who is a TSN reporter and hockey commentator. Uh, Some jabroni loser, (laughs) D-bag, tool, I'd like to say a lot meaner things, tweeted... Some commented him, and the coward has since deleted his own tweet, but it was something about just he was, like, up late watching women's hockey, God forbid, (laughs) on ESPN or TSN, and it was just some, like, Neanderthalic tweet about, you know, it's such a shame to watch 
this on TV and to waste Gord Miller's considerable talents Mm -hmm. in commentating on it. I was just like, come on, dude, it's 2017. (laughs) And Gord Miller responded by saying, uh, what a repugnant thing to say. For more than 20 years, I have been proud to broadcast games played by these dedicated, talented athletes, including some of the most exciting international hockey I've ever seen. Go <laughs> crawl back under a rock. And I just think, like, look, I'm not a big student of the game of women's hockey, nor am I self-admittedly on, like, the forefront of feminism, but you know, or feminist issues, but, like, what world are you living in where you're going to tweet a TSN commentator about how much it sucks that he's calling women's hockey, and in your head, do you think he's going to be like, yeah, it does suck. Agreed. And not to mention, I mean, women's hockey, as women's sports go, is actually, like, I feel, like, very developed, and, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a big international game, which is not to say that there shouldn't be for everything else. I just think... Yeah. You know, the women's hockey at the Olympics is a big draw with a lot of, you know, a lot of watching. I, mm-hmm. I guess maybe it's because the USA can win that when they can never seem to beat yeah. Canada in the men's. But well, I was like, yeah, unsurprisingly, you know, Canada's got a really good there's team. Some, yeah, and there's some pretty big women's stars. I mean, you know, Hillary Knight and other names that, like, I don't know that they're household names, mm-hmm. but they are amongst... Uh, you know, hockey fans, yeah. Phil Kessel's sister, Amanda, is that her yeah. name? Um, I, I'm not, yeah, I, I don't know. It just baffles my mind that you could tweet something, you know. <laughs> I, it what just, did you expect him to say? I'm yeah, not the guy. I'm not the guy. I really am not the guy to like police Twitter and be like, you know, trigger warning or whatever. But You've this gotten is real like, angry about these tweets tonight. Yeah, I know. I guess I have. But, I just it was it baffled me. Did you have anything you wanted to say about that before? I just like that he told the guy to go crawl back under <laughs> yeah, a rock. Yeah, I like absolutely. it when if you're a professional on Twitter, you can just be like, you know what? I work for TSM, but I think I'll just tell this guy to like, you know, go back under the rock yeah. he came from. Yeah, and just like I, th- I mean, I think it's like a a professional enough burn to just mm-hmm. be like, you know, buzz off. And Gordon Miller's a really good commentator. Yeah, too. and that's the thing. I mean, he's he's not like. I, I could go on forever. He's the guy that uh, it's not like the 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 crappy assignment, yeah. you know. It's not like covering the cat parade or whatever <laughs> Veronica Corningstone had to do. It's like a very great hockey game, and as he said, some of the best hockey that's ever yeah. played is international women's hockey. Gordon Miller's the guy that does the uh, can you believe it when uh, Jordan Everly scores in the World Juniors, like whatever it is, seven years ago. Yeah. And then Pierre Maguire goes, yes, I can, and starts talking some more. <laughs> <laughs> and I always feel bad for Gordon Miller. He's like, no, that was my Do You Believe in Miracles moment. Yeah. Thanks. So shout you. out to Gord for his amazing tweet. You can see that on our Twitter handle, at Two Guys No Cup, where you are welcome to follow us if you have not already, uh, though I am fairly certain most of you get from that too here rather than vice versa spread the word but tell your friends yeah absolutely Retweet smash us, the like give us some follows we'd love it we just love it's not about a follow number we just love having a wider community of hockey fans to interact with we like to um, poll people oh before before we go i did i kept meaning to put this in the show notes and i kept failing uh to do it but our friend uh justin honaker on Twitter asked us very politely uh, to um, 
to analyze a post-game interview you may not have seen uh, with uh, Ter- Vladimir Tarasenko after the Buffalo game uh, with uh, Darren Pang in the penalty box, mm-hmm. or not the, I mean, the, on the bench, you know, where they do the interviews. You've seen, you've seen movies. Uh, so uh, you may not have seen it, but it was very hilarious just because Tarasenko was like, having none of what Pang was actually asking. It's one of, the, I feel like Tarasenko does this thing where, like, we know he speaks English pretty fluently, but occasionally he'll just give you like the side eye and be like, "No, no, don't understand." <laughs> he doesn't and want to answer. He was it, doing yeah. his lines of like, um, you know, all the things he always says. Of this is the great hockey town. Thank you for all the fans for coming out here. Mm. And Darren Pang kept answering, asking questions. His answer was also always basically, "This great hockey town. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Good night." <laughs> he just left. Uh, so thank you, Justin, for bringing that to our attention. You'd be uh, a great politician. It was quite. A, <laughs> he would be. Uh, it was quite enjoyable, and you can find that on our Twitter as well, uh, where Patrico from 105.7 The Point is now a follower. So suck on that <laughs> other podcast. Do you, think do you think he's listening? I assume that Thanks, he's Tony. listening to every second. I uh, love your dad. Patrico, who was the uh, the brainchild of Butthurt or Not Butthurt, uh, is one of our followers now, which is a big get for us. <laughs> it's a big ask, as Ian says. So uh, with that news and after this very long podcast, thank you for listening. We will talk to you next Thursday. Uh, good night. Happy Hanukkah.